Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and on tonight's show we see what our fund managers are buying or dumping as Sydney's lockdown hurts our overall economic growth and the reopening of the economy. Are there threats from the lockdown or maybe buying opportunities? To work this out we have Julia Lee from Berman Invest, Junbei Lu from Tribeca Alpha Plus Funds and Paul Ricard from the Switzer Report who looks at the best of the have in your portfolio. But before we start, I want to have a look at something I think is really important for you to understand because the market really has rebounded unbelievably out of the coronavirus crash. And so I want to look at uh, the stock movements ahead. And this was covered uh, by CNBC, looking at what HSBC, that huge international bank, sees for the market going forward. And the headline from the story in the CNBC was, rebalance your portfolio now as the economy enters an expansion phase, HSBC says. So the international bank is telling investors that they need to prepare for the business cycle to transition from the recovery phase, that's that enormous rebound out of the crash from the coronavirus to what they call the expansion phase of the market. Now, they are saying that investment returns will be lower and they have to be lower because look at the way we rebounded out of the, the coronavirus. We've got super funds doing returns over 20%. Paul was talking about, uh, you'll see later in the program, how his portfolio, which is supposed to be a very safe portfolio, has had an enormous return as well. We'll get to that later in the show. But so what I'm trying to say to you is this, this stock market going forward is going to be much better for stock picking rather than just buying the index and hoping for a nice big return. Personally, I do think the market will probably do seven or 10% for the index and people are happy with that, plain index will be okay. But if you're looking for bigger and better returns, you're gonna to have to pick individual stocks that look like they're really good value and of course, that's what we do on this show, and that's what we do in the Switzer Report. So, without any further ado, let's with Julia Lee from Berman Invest and see what stocks are on her radar screen right now. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. So I, I know you're locked down, and I'm locked down as well, uh, and we hope it's over, but. The market doesn't seem too spooked. What, what are you seeing in, the, in terms of market reaction to the lockdown? I think it's quite interesting, Pete, because, you know, we've seen this lockdown playbook before. And usually when you do see lockdown, especially the prospect of extended lockdown that New South Wales is facing at the moment, you do see those travel-related hospitality type of businesses being hit. So we have seen that on the market, the market pricing in potentially a month one month lockdown in Greater Sydney. So Flight Centre, Webjet, Star, these are all companies that have been hit today, despite the very strong performance in terms of the market. And usually you see the flip side, you know, the toilet paper hoarding, um, the supermarkets, they do well. But we haven't seen that. Coles, Woolies, Metcash, we're all trading down today. And I suspect the market is now probably starting to price in the end of these lockdowns. This is probably going to be the last lockdown we have as vaccination rates get up and as, as hopefully we become a little bit more like the US and Europe and a bit more freedom to travel around and move around. 
Mm. I, I haven't checked out Qantas today, but it's, it's one of the stocks I like and the stock that you like. Is it, is it more buying opportunity for the patient investor? Yeah, Qantas interestingly held up very well. So it wasn't trading down like some of those travel companies. I guess when you have a look at travel, there's a bit of a hierarchy. Um, and domestic travel, of course, is the first to bounce back and then corporate. So the areas that you want to be exposed to, in my view, is Qantas, which has a dominant share in, in uh, the domestic Australian market, as well as something like corporate travel. When the corporate area bounces back, there's nice margins in there as well. But some of the experiences that we've seen in other countries that have been opening up is that there's a bit of a spring effect. There's this pent up demand for travel. So once borders do reopen, things normalize, travel demand is actually more than 100% of those pre-COVID levels. And if you have a look at what Qantas is predicting as well, it's predicting that uh, once uh, borders reopen and next year that we will see travel capacity actually higher than those pre-COVID-19 levels. Yeah, Julia, I gotta say, all my Italian and Greek and Hong Kong friends, they are so desperate to do what they usually do most years is travel. And if they travel every second year, they'll be all doing it as soon as they can do it next year. Oh, I can't wait to travel, Pete. I'd love to see my uh, newest uh, nephew over in London. So hopefully next year. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so that's, that's the market as such. What are you seeing right now that you like or you don't like? What have you added to your fund? What have you taken out of your fund? Yeah, Pete, at the moment, there's not a huge amount of movement going on in the portfolio, and that's because we've been going through it like a fine-tooth comb ahead of reporting season. We have been decreasing some of those stakes in, I guess, the, the, the companies that are related to the New South Wales lockdown, given that it does look like it's going to be extended. But looking to pick that up as soon as there's a turning point or during reporting season, um, because the outlook is expected to be softer. So looking at companies, uh, I guess, uh, looking at companies like Qantas, picking them up about uh, under $4.70 usually is a winning strategy. We did pick some up a couple of weeks ago around the $4.50 level, which was nice to see. And we've seen a strong bounce back there. We have trimmed some of our star um, shares as well um, on expectation that with the softer outlook that we'll be able to pick it up at a cheaper level as well because casino revenues usually do bounce back relatively strongly as well. On the flip side, we are looking at companies that we expect to report quite strongly during a reporting season. Uh, one of those that we like and we've been adding to is Helios. Now, the pathology part of its business has been bouncing back. So over the next 12 to 18 months, what you're likely to see in pathology is higher margins and higher volumes coming through but of course, in the short term, there's a massive amount of COVID-19 testing that's going on. So Helios is a big winner from that COVID-19 testing and the massive amounts of testing that's happening in New South Wales at the moment. Yeah. Okay, that's Helios. Uh, any other companies you like? Uh, we've been adding to positions in terms of Sydney airports is an interesting one. We've seen that takeover be come through at uh, the indicative takeover be coming through at $8.25 and it's been fluctuating quite a lot. So looking to pick up that um, and add on to positions of that whenever it's traded below $7.70, which it does quite uh, frequently today, it uh, I think it closed at about $7.80. So I guess that one is a no-brainer in terms of, of the market, but also just adding to some of our previous positions as well whenever we see a bit of weakness in the market. Okay, let me ask a few questions for people who are actually holding the Sydney Airport, and I've got this question a few times myself. You know, should they sell or should they wait? 
general rule of thumbs when it comes to any takeover is uh, to buy on the first bid and hold until it finishes, um, especially with such a quality asset like Sydney airports. We don't know whether there is going to be another bidder coming to the table. And when you do have a look at these strategic assets, um, I guess there are a lot of uh, super funds as well as national funds which would be interested in this type of asset. So uh, it's interesting the pricing of it, given that it is pricing at pretty much at pre-COVID-19 levels. So so um, I guess these superannuation funds and national funds as well, they do take a long-term view of these assets. So Sydney airports, I'd be holding on or even accumulating under that $7.70 mark with potentially another bidder coming through here. Yeah, because uh, so so remind me, what has, have the super funds offered for Sydney airport? It's only an indicative bid at the moment at $8.25. So we'll have to wait for a formal bid to come through. But I guess that $8.25 really does signify quite a big jump from uh, before that bid came through or the potential mm -hmm. bid came through. And of course, looking at those pre-COVID-19 levels, and it gives you a bit more of a lens of how these super funds may be looking at these type of assets uh, during the, the, the biggest downturn or the quickest downturn that we've seen in Australian history. Yeah. I asked you to have a look at a couple of stocks. One is called Premium. Could I have a view on Premium? Sorry, which stock? Premium. Oh, premium, yes. Uh, so having a look at platforms, look, premium is a really impressive company. And when we have a look at the managed accounts areas and looking at the administration side of things, this has been a massive growth area. There's a number of companies that do uh, participate in this area. So premium is one of them, NetWealth and Hub24. Um, I like Hub24 as well as NetWealth as well, but premium certainly has been doing well. At the end of the December quarter last year, had about $34 billion funds under administration. By the March quarter, that had increased to $38 billion. So it's seeing some strong uh, growth numbers coming through, especially after the acquisition of PowerRab, and that's likely to continue as well. We have a look at sort of where the pricing is at the moment, probably around that $1.20 to $1.30 mark is where I'd expect the shares to trade over the next six to 12 months. So certainly a bit of growth um, available there. You took me back in time there. Did you start working with Hub on TV? Uh, that was the Hub Financial Group, not Hub 24. Yeah, I, I was wondering whether they're saying... It's a good memory feed. <laughs> yeah, we, we were both very young at the time. But uh, yes, I do remember you associated with the word Hub. Let's go to the final one, is Fleetwood. Um, what do you think of Fleetwood? Yeah, look, I think Fleetwood is a really interesting one. When I think of Fleetwood, I think of the, its traditional business, which is like caravans and RVs. Um, but actually, most of its money comes from the, the property side of things at the moment. So having a look at, at Fleetwood, it's actually building solutions, which drives most of its earnings. So if it makes about $14 million, $10 million of that comes from the, the building solutions area. And that's really being driven by some of the government stimulus at the moment. In fact, we've seen, seen spending very strong on things like schools, which is great news uh, for Fleetwood. And then add into the mix, it's still got its RV business. So caravans are flying off the shelves because we can't <laughs> travel overseas. So people are, are choosing to fly uh, tr travel domestically. So that business is going well. But I suspect as borders open up, we'll see some of the strong record growth that we've seen in that area easing back. And looking at Fleetwood, um, I guess the other area is accommodation. So it does provide... Uh, 
uh, accommodation for some of the mining companies or the mining areas. Um, but in some of those areas, we've started to see other accommodation options being built out. So look, the real growth area is coming from the building solution side, and that is the majority of its revenue as well as earnings. So clearly we're looking pretty good here. Okay. Julia Lee, thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. And that was Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Up next is Junbei Lu from Tribeca Alpha Plus. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. This is Julia Lee from Berman Invest and my next guest is Junbei Lu from Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund. Great to see you, Junbei Lu. Great to see you, Peter. How are you? Very good. And we're both in lockdown, but we're still smiling. And the market's still smiling. The market was up today. That's right. Markets has been very strong, of course, driven mainly by the resources companies. And uh, however, we are seeing a bit of, uh, uh, you know, buying support for some of the companies that's been sold off in the last few days as well. I, I must admit, when I, I looked at the, the spy saying that the market could be up 75 in the, the opening, I thought that was pretty optimistic. But I thought, well, that's going to be driven by the enormous optimism out of Wall Street and the US with reporting season starting. Uh, and, and, and I guess to a degree, lockdown must have hurt some of our stocks today. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in the last few days, um, you know, our uh, domestic, a lot of discretionary um, consumer stock has been sold off as the investors sort of felt um, the stores will be shut. And, you know, Sydney being a very large market account for over 30 percent of our GDP um, and looks like we'll be in lockdown for the next few weeks. So um, there's a lot of consumer related stocks being sold off in the last few days. But today we're seeing a bit of uh, support for those businesses. Um, and of course, the Wall Street optimism, it's mainly on the back of China putting more stimulus in, into its economy certainly has seen our resources sector is very, very strong today. Mm. And I, so I guess the, the point would be then, all right, so some of the retailers might be sold off today, but when lockdowns are over and ultimately when the economy reopens better in, into 2022, hopefully after we've been vaccinated, a lot of these companies look like good value as long as you're patient and you're prepared to wait. Oh, absolutely. And especially, um, you know, now it's very different from last year when there was lockdown because we didn't have vaccine and, you know, we don't know when the vaccine might be. But now we have vaccine and we know how recovery in across shopping centers, across consumer, people have this V-shaped recovery. So as soon as we come out of this, um, the recovery will be enormous. And we've seen it. We know that will be the path that we'll take. So um, I really believe that the um, investors, you just need to take a, be a little bit more patient as we pass this. As we get to a good vaccination level, um, these stocks and sectors will get bid up quite aggressively. Yeah, okay. So one stock you think we should talk about is JBH, JB Hi-Fi. 
Yeah, it's actually interesting. JB Hi-Fi has been sold off as the reopening in the economy got um, got you know people excited into the reopening uh, theme, whereas JB Hi-Fi was the beneficiary. And plus, at the same time, uh, the consumer stimulus potentially winding back a little bit here in Australia. Now, of course, uh, JB Hi-Fi is in a good situation uh, at the moment with the Sydney lockdown, and um, you know potentially for a prolonged period of time, it certainly benefits a lot of their short-term earnings. And if if not to drive to drive uh, more awareness of drug, you know, improving your home office. At the same time, we're expecting government to step up and give more stimulus. So, um, you know, with the inability to travel and a lot of services sectors still in lockdown, I think the consumer is in a good place, consumer sector. And JB Hi-Fi is the one that actually looks pretty good into the reporting season. And earning will, um, you know, most people expecting earning to fall next year significantly. And I think uh, the people are way too bearish for um, that kind forecast yeah and i guess it's such a quality company uh june bay lou that if, if the market goes off it for temporary or momentum reasons because some fund managers need to make money in the quarter um for, it gives opportunity for the long-term investor to seize upon a good quality company on the basis that well in a year's time it could easily be seven to ten percent higher Absolutely. I absolutely agree. It's a quality company, leader leader in the consumer electronics. And that's a very exciting uh, consumer space because there's keep, um, you know, we keep getting new products. So there's a, a structural growth in that space. So and they're the market leader um, and the company is well run, very good margin, uh, very good cash flow, good dividend yield. Um, and it's not expensive. That is the key. Um, you know, the in today's market, if you want to buy quality businesses, you have to pay a big multiple for it. Even Woolworth is on a big multiple so you know it's incredibly important to um, keep that in focus yes earning may be a little bit soft for um, you know 2022 but uh, you know on a two-year view this is a structural leader okay let's go to another interesting one and a lot of people will be surprised because they've often thought well you know uh, the the television the free-to-air television business is really uh, un under siege from the, the netflixes and all that sort of stuff but you like nine entertainments um um, NEC. Absolutely. Look, Nine Entertainment um, offers great exposure to the current ad market. And not just that, it also offers exposure to Stan, which is a very fast growing um, a stream service um, TV. And it's been taking a lot of shares, been growing really fast. Um, at the same time, it gives you exposure to Domain, which is actually going through a really good purple patch at the moment where the listing is going very strong. Now, Nine has been sold off in a lot just last week or so, um, simply just on the basis potentially some some weakness um, you know in the ad market but what do you think everyone's doing sitting home and watch TV um, and uh, you know and the uh, end of the feedback we've got from the advertising especially TV market has been incredibly strong uh, just because people are really don't have much places to go to and all the corporates are spending a lot of money to build its brand to attract that consumer um, you know consumer eyeball so TV is in a good space at the moment and Stan is offer that good growth and then domain is in a very good place as well. So that company is very cheap at the, this point of the cycle. And I guess it's fair to say that they are diversified, aren't they? Because they're in radio, they're in real estate, they're in stand, and of course, they're, they're, they're free to air as well. So that diversification is um, pretty important. And also probably radio is suffering a little bit for the fact that if people are at home, they're not stuck in traffic listening to radio, but eventually they'll, they will go back to work at least two or three times a week. 
Absolutely. If you look at the number of cars driving on the roads, it's been steadily recovering ever since lockdown last year. Now, this year, Sydney is obviously, Sydney numbers might come off a little bit, but it is a clear trend in a couple of weeks time, hopefully, that we'll be back on the road. Um, and uh, so all of that just means the increased eyeball and usage for the advertising market. It's in a really sweet spot. Um, and at, actually for now, if you take out the valuation, it holds quite a big portion of uh, domain. If you take out domain, you're not really paying much for the TV business at all, uh, plus the radio. So, um, and it still generates very good cash flow, um, you know, with a very minimal amount of cost. Yeah. Okay. So they're the companies you like. Um, I've got a couple of companies that I've been asked in our Boom Zoom Zoom show. And one of the companies is called Premium. What do you think of Premium? Yeah, look, we like premium. It is uh, trading at the cheaper end of all the platforms. Um, it is still very fast growing. Uh, previously, the growth didn't quite match the likes of NetWealth and Hub, but in the last uh, uh, update, it certainly has shown the growth has picked up. It's very cheap and, uh, you know, it gives you that good leverage into the growth in the flow, in the fund flow space, um, given the majors such as AMP and others going through such disruption and changes. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of uh, market share to be gained as we have seen with the flow numbers um, you know disclosed by the net wealth and hub this week will tell us you know how great those flow numbers being so i think premiums in a good place um, offers good growth and it's not as expensive yeah and finally this is a company i don't know much about fleetwood do you know fleetwood yeah, look, Fleetwood has been around for quite a long time. It offers that caravan um, and also some uh, other exposure. It's The business has been impacted, um, but it, it is very, very, very cheap on a very cheap um, space. Um, and it gives you that leverage to the reopening, um, you know, more driving reopening uh, of the economy um, with the earnings yet to recover. It's trading on something like 12 times. So it's pretty on the value end. Um, it's probably more of a hold for me um, because because you know the share price uh, would will have to uh, really follow the reopening of the economy. Yeah. So it'll be some time down the track. That's I right. Guess, I guess I, I do remember Fleetwood because it was kind of leveraged to the grey nomad expansion wasn't it that's right so um a lot of those um it, it's almost leveraged to the mining services space um and um you know the challenge for that whole sector it's being underperforming um you know the general market and the sector's been underperforming the resource sector as well even though the commodity price is so high it just lack of um lack of uh, labor um labor um you know, around Australia, really, um, yeah. can't find enough people because the borders closed. And, uh, you know, the last result reporting season, we've seen the all the mining service company talk to escalation in costs because of lack of labor. Eventually, it will get better. But at this point, I think, you know, the, the shortage is going to be there for some time. Okay, June Beilu, as always, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And that was June Beilu from Tribeca Alpha Plus. Our next guest is Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. Is looking at the best of the best. Welcome to the program, Paul. Thanks, Peter. So I said in the, in the introduction that you want to look at um, the best of the best uh, in, in a portfolio that you think people should have basically as a foundation for a good portfolio? Yeah, very much a cornerstone uh portfolio or cornerstone stocks, Peter, it came from a, a little bit of question we got a year ago. And it's when we get asked a lot of quite often, as you know, when people say to us, what are the stocks you'd really like to buy in a market dip? Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought it was time to sort of put a list together. 
what I did, Peter, was um, to look at each of the 11 industry sectors and try to just get just one from each sector so you get some level of diversification. So, for example, in the financial sector, we know the, the four major banks. I've got one financial company. And I've gone through each of the 11 sectors and identified uh, companies that I like and I think should be a cornerstone. Now, they're not always going to be, you know, these, these are companies I'd describe as, if not blue chip, will be blue chip. Yeah. And so they've been on the market for at least five years and have got some sort of track record. Most have been on the market for at least 10 years, pretty consistent earnings uh, and relatively low volatility by market standards. So if, if in sort of a choice between two, I like stocks a little less volatile. And they're the ones that you want to go, look, they won't necessarily go up if the market goes up straight away, but they'll go up over time. And you want, if you hope that the, uh, in 10 years time, they should be really good in your portfolio. And so I've gone back and looked after the stocks one year on and just seen what's happened. Okay, so why, why don't we kick off then? Uh, maybe before we, you actually go to the first one, now we'll, we'll save the overall return until the end. So that, 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 that would be more dramatic to do it that way. Let's kick off with, with your first one and just go financials. Yeah, so that's the biggest sector. And uh, look here, it's a, it's a pretty clear choice for a Commonwealth bank. The other possible contender, I think, is Macquarie. You know, we like both those stocks, but uh, Macquarie is a bit riskier, um, mainly because its business activity is a bit more investment bank and so a little more volatility in the earnings. Commonwealth Bank is a little more predictable. Uh, and, uh, you know, over the last, uh, since listed in, in uh, 1993, I think it was, Peter, 1991, had a phenomenal returns for shareholders. And look, went through a couple of tough years with the Royal Commission, but has bounced back. It's returned in the last 12 months, one year, or something like about 40%. Uh, this time up, up last year, it's been the best performing of the major banks over that period. And the reason I like it, Peter, is simply it's pretty straightforward. It's got the best technology. It's number one or number two in every core market. It's got the best franchise and it's got the best leadership team. It's the most expensive, but you know, if you want to get the best stocks, you've got to pay the highest price. Okay. Remember, you are saying if you if the market does have a dip, and you often see dips in September and October, these are the stocks you might just keep watching and go for when they, they fall a bit. Let's go to the second one, Paul. Yeah, in the real estate sector, which is a bit funny, but I've gone for Goodman Group. It's probably a, lot of, a company that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but it's uh, it's done really well because it's focused on property in the industrial and logistics area. And uh, it's, so it's really, rather than it's never really been into, into offices or retail, it's focused on factories, logistics, big distribution centres. And so it's done really well over the last few years in particular, uh, as everyone started to realise that uh, more and more goods get built, sorry, bought online, there's more, uh, you know, need to be close to transport, close to major arteries in terms of distribution centres, and that's becoming more the way that uh, goods and things are moved around. So it's done particularly well in the last few years or so. It's, uh, it's diversified, it's not just in Australia, it's an international group, about 40% of its revenue in Australia, but 60% uh, is offshore, particularly in Europe and also in parts of Asia. So it's a, it's a big group, got assets under management of over $50 billion and really sort of three uh, sort of core businesses. One is um, development, secondly is actually property ownership and the third is property management. And but roughly revenue is coming from each of those uh, three areas. In the uh, when, when COVID-19 hit, it was probably the only property stock that didn't 
um, downgrade. It kept mm -hmm. its earnings up. And in fact, this year is on track to deliver uh, earnings of about $1.2 billion, which would be about 12% higher on an earnings per share basis than the year before. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that speaks a lot to the group. Um, fabulous return for shareholders. Shares now over $21, probably pretty fully valued, but one I'd certainly want to buy if the market dipped. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, I think a lot of people might not know the company, but as you drive around Australia, you see these business parks and they often have Goodman Group out the front. Yeah. So it's, uh, and it's, look, it's, it's been a bit under the radar, I guess. It's really the market sort of um, really discovered in the last couple of years. But if you look back at its share price, it's, it's been on a one-way trajectory now for more than a decade. Yeah, exactly right. Let's go to the third one now, Paul. The third one, another is again, is a stock I, I've spoken about often from the IT sector. Uh, this is Zero. I know Peter, you and I are both lovers of the Zero accounting software. What Zero has done in terms of uh, you know, taking over the Australasian market, it's really a Kiwi company um, that was the first to move into the cloud and really won a huge amongst accountants and their small business clients. So it's got something like 1.5 million users. Uh, in uh, Australasia, and another 1.2 million users offshore. Been growing at around about 30% compound in uh, EBITDA and revenue up in the high 20s. Uh, so I think it's a great success story, a great growth company. Pretty expensive, Peter, in terms of price. Um, and again, a company that you probably want to wait for a dip. But I think if we look around at our IT companies, and Zero now has... Uh, has been listed now for nine years. So it's got a pretty good track record. Um, you can see a real growth story of this company. And uh, if there's one IT stock that I think I want to make the cornerstone, and this is probably the riskiest area of the market, I think it's mm -hmm. zero. Yeah. And I've got to say, there's some people who I respect really believe this is a company that's going to keep going up and up and up. And I've seen some big numbers there predicted for the future. But um, yeah, I think that you're absolutely on the money of that one. All right, so there's three good ones. And you did say to me that one of them was you're a little bit worried about. Can you talk about I'm, that? I'm not, I'm not worried about in the short term. The industrial sector, which is a funny sector because our biggest industrials really, they don't make anything. They're not really industrials by that sense. But uh, it's a sector that also includes transport. So our biggest industrial companies are actually involved in transportation and their companies like Transurban, Sydney Airport, Brambles, which manufactures chip pellets, but used in, in transport and also Qantas. And uh, I've got Transurban in there and Transurban has done pretty well over the long term. Uh, I'm not worried about Transurban in the short term, Peter, but this, I just sort of see, you know, sort of long-term headwinds potentially in terms of, you know, two factors. One, of course, is the is the, the change that's happened in the last 12 months in terms of people um, working from home. And a lot of our tollways, and of course, Transurban has 80%, owns 80% of the tollways uh, across Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Uh, you know, they're sort of, they're, they're directed to get people in towards the centre of the city. So there are some issues there in terms of, you know, if we all spend a couple of days working at home, what does that actually mean for transport usage, particularly usage on tollways? And secondly, allegedly, Peter, things like driverless cars are going to be so smart 
they'll work out you know the way that they're going to you know the, the, the computer's going to control the, the car and the driver they won't need to use tollways or they'll, they'll be so smart they'll be able to do multiple trips for different people somehow so i don't know what it is but um they're going to reduce the amount of of, uh, of miles traveled so longer term and i'm talking you know 10 15 years these are themes that um that may have an impact but in the short term no worry but i'm just saying that there's sort of a concern about the long-term megatrends. Yeah, what's interesting, Paul, is that um, there is a, a feeling going over the next few years that infrastructure plays make a lot of sense because, uh, and we saw with Sydney Airport, they're often targeted for um, takeovers, but also um, because there's been so many spectacular returns, people might be looking for those safer, longer-term uh, payoff type industries and often um, infrastructure is, that, is the one. Yeah, and look, I don't think there's much downside risk. It's just that um, you know, it, it really has done extraordinarily well in the last uh, decade. And uh, so maybe to expect that same sort of performance in terms of growth uh, might be challenged. But I haven't taken it out and I haven't taken it out for two reasons. One is I'd like to add Qantas, but I don't think I'm quite there yet with the uh, with the pandemic, mm. um, because you know it could be could be hard being an airline, but it is a great company. And two, Transurban is still one of the very few companies where its revenues are indexed to inflation, <laughs> in mm. fact more than inflation, and uh, it doesn't actually need much growth. Even if it gets no growth, uh, it's still revenue increases each year. So you know it it's, it doesn't. There aren't too many companies that have sort of the guaranteed streams that it has. And one thing I will throw in, Paul, it might be a little bit cynical, but when the hybrid working model happens and people are working from home two or three days a week, they'll still have to drive to the golf course and the tennis court, and that could take in a, a, a tollway or two. It could take in a tollway to two, and, and until cities start shrinking, Peter, there's only a finite amount of land for tollways. So um, it's, it's a monopoly asset, as we know. So um, I'm never very good at avoiding them. <laughs> All right. Now, um, what, what's the overall return been for those eight stocks? Well, it's done pretty well. Now, I just want to just to finish off, Peter. There are three sectors I couldn't find um, a cornerstone stock in, and they're the utility sector, which is very small, and I think they're they're pretty challenged at the moment. The, the second one is in uh, communication services. Now, that includes companies like Telstra. I don't think that should be a cornerstone stock, but maybe REA, which is, everyone knows is the leader in in um, mm -hmm. You know, in the re in the residential, um, uh, not real sales, estate. but real estate, uh, is is a is a contender, and then there's a third sector, another small sector that uh, I also didn't find one. But in terms of overall return, um, and this is just an arithmetic average, they've actually done pretty well. In fact, they've outperformed the market over the last twelve months, so they're up something like about uh, twenty seven percent, and the market's up twenty five percent over that one year period. Uh, and the same on the return. So I didn't select them because I thought they'd do better than the market. I just think they should be, you know, to me, they're, they're cornerstone. I think over the longer term, they will. Um, but, you know, they're expensive because people want them and they're great companies. Yeah, great. Now, if, you want, if people want to know the other four, they need to go to switzerreport.com.au and read the full report. Absolutely, Peter, at switzer.com.au. And uh, look, I mean, I, I think... As I said, let's go back to where it started. What do you look to buy if the market dips? And um, they're companies I wouldn't sell in any situation, but I think they're the companies to buy in a dip. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't make up the whole portfolio, but it's a nice way to sort of 
get the bulk of your portfolio in place and then you can uh, take a little more alpha potentially and a little more risk in some of your other stocks. Yeah, I must admit, um, I hold all those ones and they're all bought either during the GSC or the coronavirus crash because that's a, a good investment strategy. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter.